It's not that hard to cut someone in half with a machete. This is spoilers. This is spoilers. Yay! Hey there! Hey, hey everyone. Thunderous applause from the in-studio audience there. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we have an in-studio audience. Uh... None of them are really paying attention to what's <laughs> happening in front of us. Uh, we have um, a couple of ladies. I don't know if their own significant others might want to introduce them. I usually talk about Lauren quite a bit for her disapproval of certain movies we watch, but Lauren Putman, my wife, is in the house. Hey. Hello, hello. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Join. Uh, Steve Van Elk is over here as well. I was gonna introduce him <laughs> No, no, uh, my girlfriend Kirsten is also sitting nearby. <laughs> and, and my brother-in-law Steven Van Elk is here, and he's been doing a hell of a job setting up some audio equipment for us. Like, clap, got, clap. He's got cords hanging on him. Um, he's pressing lights. I don't know, is the audio good, Steve? Thumbs up. A meager Vigo Mortensen <laughs> flaccid thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by a middle finger. A meager Vigo is a high thumbs up. <laughs> anyway, this movie that we're recording today is Walk Hard. Um, the Dewey Cox story. I believe someone called it the ballad of Dewey that Cox. That was probably my fault. I, yeah. Is that, what? It, what's the ballad? Ricky Bobby? Yeah. Is it the ballad of Ricky Bobby? Yeah, Ricky yeah, it was this cross-mixing Judd Apatow produced films. My bad. Well, he was a writer on this one. I'm not sure if he produced Walk Hard, but um, Walk Hard came out in 2007. I remember seeing it that year, and it came out and seemed to be marketed against uh, Joaquin Phoenix vehicle Walk the Line, which came out in 2005. And I think it draws a lot from that in a lot of hilarious ways as it goes, especially with... Um, what's her name in the movie? Pam from the audience. Jenna, Jenna, Fisher. Jenna Fisher. Jenna Fisher. Darlene. Darlene. Pam. She's clearly June Carter. <laughs> Pam. 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 <laughs> we started. Um. <laughs> anyway, she's clearly supposed to be playing like June Carter Cash, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Jordan, right? Shrug. I mean, most of these music <laughs> biopic movies start with the original girlfriend. Then halfway through, they get to the new girlfriend who ends up being, like, the wife until the end of time. Before we get too far into it, let's not be so rude. I'm your host, Josh. I'm recording from my parents' basement. My brother is next to me. This is his parents, too. Jordan. Also from the parents' basement, uh, Jordan. Recording from Elkhart tonight. First recording here, I think. Uh, this is Stevie recording from Josh and Jordan's basement, <laughs> whose mother snubbed me at a, at a supermarket today, <laughs> didn't acknowledge my wave, and just ran right past me. So I'm dealing with that. What's up, Mikey? Uh, this is Mikey back from sabbatical. Uh, took, a, took a brief period off, uh, but I'm ready to get in this movie. This is Pappy recording on Skype from Denver, Colorado, and I haven't been allowed in the long basement for years, so jealous I didn't get the invite. We're looking, the four of us are looking at Pappy in Skype, and he was nude earlier. <laughs> we made him put clothes on. He's now nude, except for like a hat. <laughs> it's a nice warm hat, yeah. <laughs> it's cold in Denver. <laughs> Great, so let's talk about Walk Hard. Uh, you guys think this is a musical. I never thought that watching it. No, I don't think it's a musical. <laughs> I think it's more of a parody musical yeah. biopic. But I don't 
think it's like an actual like musical where they just bur like burst out into song randomly and that's like the scene of them describing what's happening in music. Uh, no, I don't think it's a musical. Is that kind of the yeah. distinction? I feel like if I had to put this on the shelf at Blockbuster, I'd put it under comedy first and then musical. But there are parts of the movie that just stop to have like a song. So It's a 90-minute montage. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's a musical broken up by a lot of sync breaking. <laughs> in between phases. Yeah, so Dewey Cox has this thing where every time he hits rock bottom, which seems to be four or five times during the film, he destroys a public restroom. <laughs> Goes full, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and starts ripping up sinks. <laughs> I mean, that was like the dramatic moment in Walk Hard, which this obviously pulls from, where Johnny Cash like hit rock bottom so hard he like, ripped off a sink in like, probably, I would guess, like a show or a star room, but... Yeah, he definitely rips at least three or four sinks in this movie. How many sinks are broken in this movie, Mikey? That... How many? No, it's not trivia. Okay, but how many do, you okay. do you know the number? No, I don't. I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, because at the end, he's like ripping because... five or six out of one bag. <laughs> Eight, six, yeah. <laughs> so I'll say like 15 is the total number of sinks that he ripped. 12. I'll go with a, with a steady nine. I'd say nine sinks, which is plenty enough for a parody. My guess is this is going to be something not easy to Google. <laughs> but good luck. Yeah, I can't find it. Let's just move on. <laughs> Around 12 or 15 sinks were broken in the making of this film. Ish. No sinks were harmed. No sinks were harmed. But the movie Less starts off with a dogs. young Dewey Cox. I believe he's... What? Sorry, Heimer. Side conversations. We were just bringing up the, the Swift family Robinson about how more zebras, more zebras were sinks harmed than sinks in this movie. <laughs> yeah, they're Aww. called zebras like flies. <laughs> Swift family Robinson. That's sad. <laughs> Sorry for bursting in like that. Go ahead, Josh. No, no. Just share with the group next time. But... Sorry. <laughs> yes, sir, Headmaster Josh. <laughs> I am host today, and this is my parents, Jordan, as eldest son. Recording the podcast in the same room is a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the movie starts off with a young Dewey Cox. I think he's between six and eight years old. And I reckon he knows the blues, but not until after the inciting incident, which Mikey and I talked a little bit about earlier today. I was hoping he could describe the scene and the setup of the inciting incident. Uh, so Dewey and his brother, uh, I think it's brother's name is Nate. Yep. Uh, they're having a summer day to themselves and they're going to play <laughs> and they think it's a good idea to go play with machetes in the barn and uh, as they're playing with machetes the cover of the sheath or whatever of one machete comes off mid-swing and Dewey Cox slices his brother in half. <laughs> clean. <laughs> clean. Uh, clean in half and uh, by some miracle, his brother is still somewhat alive uh, and has a conversation with Dewey. For like a minute or so, yeah, he's alive. Before he dies. And I gotta say, the CGI is not too worthy when he's just like obviously standing underneath the floorboards. <laughs> his legs are just standing up straight. Yeah. I think they fall down at the end of the scene, but it's kind of morbid at that point. I like when the, uh, the doctor comes to evaluate him. He's like, looks like a pretty bad case of getting cut in half. <laughs> <laughs> Nate dies and he was um, I guess the more talented brother they show him kind of shredding on the piano a few scenes earlier 
and uh, his dad really seems to like him, so his dad takes the news pretty hard, right? Speak English, Doc! We ain't scientists! <laughs> as well as, wrong kid died. Oh, is that something said in this movie? Wrong kid died? <laughs> Probably more than sinks were broken. <laughs> wrong kid died. After that, it's kind of, it goes through, you know, Dewey Cox's troubles, and then kind of slowly him getting famous. That scene culminates with him in a studio with three bandmates that this is the first time he's ever met them. <laughs> and he says as such, to set us up on it, and uh, yeah, the producer in the studio is basically saying, now this is your one shot, you only get one shot, and there's no way, there's no way you're gonna succeed. So it really plays up on the stereotype of a band that finds himself in a sound studio, and I thought it was really funny that he mentioned, I just met you guys, now just follow along, and then they just start jamming out. <laughs> I love the creeping of, Dewey, we've never heard this song before. <laughs> that's a terrible, that's amore. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. I think you, you you breezed over one of the scenes, though, Josh, where they perform The Negro Man uh, with Craig T. Robinson. <laughs> Did you want to talk about that? After Craig Robinson breaks all his fingers and has laryngitis. <laughs> <laughs> there are kind of a, like a slow incident like thing that happens where he like plays at a nightclub, and there happen to be a specific race of... Um, uh, specific... Yeah... Ooh. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, this is racially I was say, <laughs> what do you mean by they? They are scouting the nightclub. Oh boy. Yeah, we did that. They, oh, okay. They are scout. Okay, I got you. They make a really big point to say, like, oh, Jew, Jews run the music business. And all the characters that, like, hire Dewey Cox and make deals with them are, like, I guess from the same family. Same Jewish family. Hasidic Jews. <laughs> Very Jewish. Like full on Orthodox garb. <laughs> Why did you bring us back? I, I meant to breeze over that. I, I know. Sorry. We're a PC podcast, Pat. This isn't helping. Just trying to help the podcast. Dewey Cox kind of has, uh, you know, the music inside of him. From the first time he plays at the nightclub, getting everyone no the first time he plays is on a small stage at a, a talent show Damn. or even before that he had the music inside him after he cut his brother in half he wrote a song about it and i guess if i were to insert later in editing i put that song here i've never heard no music like that before ain't no six-year-old boy understand the true meaning of the blues i reckon i might I don't know that thing. Cut my brother in half. Cut my brother in half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what do you guys think about the, like, obviously soulful old dude, obviously just, you know, mimed in over a young Dewey Cox singing the blues? Did you guys find that funny or is that a little too much? I found it funny if you hadn't seen the trailer. Because trailers give like a lot away nowadays. Even back then, I would say nowadays, I'm kind of dating myself. Ten years ago, where it was kind of the, it was like the first 30 seconds of the trailers. You know, what does a young white kid know about the blues? And the old man over inserts over his voice, and the whole theater loses it, which kind of takes away from it uh, when you see it. But I still find it funny. You're gonna rip on the trailer like. 10 years <laughs> after this movie came I'm out. just saying <laughs> You don't know my memory. It's pretty large, and it knows a lot of unimportant things <laughs> like this. Lauren, shout out. Is his memory large? 
<laughs> She's <laughs> resounding no. <laughs> and, oh, wow. Okay, but back to the voice. <laughs> it doesn't really bother me that much. I mean, the whole movie is like a farce. Like, the first time when he performs when he's 14 years old, he's like a 50-year-old man pretending to be a 14-year-old. So, like, I've already suspended disbelief on ages or voices or anything like that. Yeah, one of my favorite lines that made me laugh out loud the most was when uh, Kristen Wiig says, I'm Dewey Cox's 12-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's obviously like 35. With <laughs> <Yeah>. a <laughs> little makeup on. I think I'm doing pretty good for a 15-year-old with a wife and two kids. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the whole movie is like a farce. And if you're able to suspend your disbelief with that, it's pretty entertaining, I think. Um, it's interesting, they took a lot of things seriously as far as the music goes. They recorded 40 original songs for this movie. I don't know how many of them actually ended up in the movie or if you only hear a little bit. I think there's like 18 on the album. 18 on the album? Yeah. So there's a, a couple B-sides? Mm-hmm. This Some buried tracks. <laughs> Deep cuts. <laughs> <laughs> when John C. Riley's kids open his will, they're going to have some... <laughs> Some deep cuts to release from the vault. Yeah, it's like the Prince vault, yeah. We're <laughs> gonna get all these songs later. So what do you guys think about um, his singing and the musical performances in general? We haven't really talked about the quality of them. It's actually uh, pretty good. Like, you can tell that he's actually singing these songs, so that's kind of crazy. And it sounds good, especially when he's doing his Bob uh, Dylan impression. Mailboxes drip like lampposts in the twisted birth canal of the Coliseum. Rim job, fairy teapots, mask the temperature. It is him singing the whole time. Yeah. Is it not? Yeah. It is. Okay. Yeah. It, it seemed like it was, and so I felt like that really added to it that it's, you can tell it's not like dubbed over and all that stuff, so. And I was pretty excited to see this movie. Have you guys seen Chicago, the musical? No. No. Mm -mm. Okay, Even though it did win Best Picture somehow. But um, John C. Riley sings really well in that movie, and it's not surprising that he can. I didn't know he He's got some that. pipes. He's got some pipes, that. and what makes this movie really good is all these songs could be like hits in the decade where they were supposed to be released in. Like mm -hmm. if you heard like Walk Hard, Take My Hand, um, maybe do it. not, maybe do it. Let's Do It. Let's Do It. Let's Do It. Royal Jelly. Darlene, I mean. Even even that last song, it was a wonderful ride. All of them are awesome songs. So I'm happy that they actually put a lot of attention and detail into this movie as yeah, far as the music did. went. I read that they use a lot of the same instruments that would be used, but also like the same amplifiers and recording instruments that they would use. So they were actually pretty anal about the whole uh, musical aspect of this, which, I don't know, it made you buy in. And it's just so funny when they take such pains to make it sound like a timepiece, and then they like insert a lyric that's like so stupid and silly in the royal jelly <laughs> well i think in a lot of ways this movie is like a history of pop music in america too because he's going from elvis to like through the 70s and they i like the choice that not only to try extra hard to make it sound authentic but they also have real characters like the beatles or bob dylan or buddy holly it would have been really easy to like have a band called the cockroaches and have that be a cheap laugh but they go to like actually impersonating the Beatles, which I think is pretty cool. I would say Buddy Holly was pretty weak. Frankie Muniz as Buddy Holly. I thought it was a little lame. Frankie. Mm. Fair enough. But, was but, Elvis uh, Jack White? That was Jack White from the White Stripes. Yeah. yeah. My brother-in-law, Steven, said 
he was that was crappy acting, but I thought his part was actually pretty funny. I thought it was funny too. That was one of the funniest parts <laughs> of the whole movie. I got to do a Steve bad moment of the movie call out like every time. <laughs> <laughs> That was one of the funniest parts, especially when he was just rambling on, obviously on drugs and sweating his a sweating his ass off. And this is obviously like fake judo chopping. Fake this is obviously <laughs> end of the road overweight Elvis, which makes it even like even funnier, I think. Steve, yeah, and all Steve those... is being so kind and doing all our audio, and he's just giving Josh the finger right now so hard. Do you remember how so blurry hard. Seabiscuit was? Just all the shots are so blurry. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even see the horse, man. So blurry. Anyway, back, <laughs> back to Dewey Cox. I, I think Buddy Holly was the worst out of those, but as far as the Beatles go, what did you guys think about that scene? Hilarious. <laughs> it, it was really funny. I thought it was extra funny when they dropped acid and they, they were all like cartoon characters, but also very aware that they were like, oh, I'm, I'm cartoon me. Like, this is John Ringo. John Ringo? <laughs> Who's that? John Ringo? Ringo, Ringo? I'm not going to do that. Yeah, the right audio now. guy Johnny was Ringo? making some weird hand gestures during that. Jordan very distracted. What? Can you just repeat what you just said completely? What no, I think that like it was it was funny, and then they, they're also, like, John and Paul are fighting, but then they also drop acid, and they go into, like, a cartoon world. Like Yellow Submarine looking, kind of. The cartoon yeah. movie that we all watch in elementary school? Yeah, uh, Yellow Submarine. Mystery. Yellow so, Submarine, yeah. which terrified me as a child honestly it was pretty trippy your parents let you watch that no we, LSD. we watched that at Eastside elementary what? mrs jones made us watch that mrs, mrs. jones mrs. mrs jones, jones. yeah that was her <laughs> fun fact about yellow submarine the beatles aren't actually in it it's just actors they had nothing to do with the movie not surprised it's a big pile of shit <laughs> so I just want to derail the podcast there for a second. Back to you, Josh. <laughs> From what I remember, that's not a great movie. I really liked when Jack... Wait, that's Jack Black. That's Jack, Jack White, Jack Black. Jack Black. Jack Black. Wow. As Paul McCartney, he says like the whole thing about how, like, yes, I know that city. I booked all our gigs there. I'm the leader of the Beatles. I'm Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you love the Beatles, Pappy. They, you had to love that scene. Oh, I do, yeah. I think Jack Black was probably my favorite of the performances, but who is... Jason Schwartzman was John, right? No, Paul Rudd was John. Paul Rudd was John. Jason Schwartzman was Ringo. Yeah, and Jordan and I's brother, Justin Long, was... He was George my Harrison. favorite. Oh, I like he the part where Ringo's favorite, like, yeah. I wrote a song about an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought John, I thought Paul Rudd maybe was the worst, but... Barely. I mean, they're all pretty good. If I had to rank him, I think Justin Long was probably my favorite. Just out of the line where he's like, I'm just sitting here playing my guitar as it gently weeps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't hear that line because Steve was talking over that during the movie. But anyway. About how bad Elvis was. <laughs> <laughs> but he's doing a really good job with the audio here tonight. Helping us out. Shout out. <laughs> I think there's like 20 artists that Dewey Cox kind of goes he has like these phases of his career because he's a lifetime achievement award winner. Yeah. So he goes through phases of drugs, and we'll get on that in just a second. That was early duty. This is middle Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And I think there's even more than that because IMDb lists so many bands and artists that he played. Did you guys have a favorite besides the Beatles scene? He wasn't really playing the Beatles there. Do you guys have a favorite like era of Dewey Cox? Why don't you start, Jordan? 
I'll start. Yeah, I'll start. I like the uh, when he's doing the whole Beach Boys smile phase, and it's uh, so great. If you if you've seen the movie Love and Mercy, or if you know anything about the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson basically has like a breakdown after. <clears throat> in real life, he has a breakdown after the Beatles release Sgt. Pepper. So, in the movie, Dewey Cox is like recording all these goats, trying to get the perfect like bleat from them. He has like a thousand <laughs> different musicians in this little shed. It's pretty hilarious. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I think uh, when he goes through his punk rock phase after he does cocaine for the first time <laughs> <laughs> and he's just yelling at his bandmates to play faster, I thought that was pretty hilarious. I think um, my favorite music-wise was when he does all, goes all Brian Wilson and just loses his mind where he has a whole orchestra and 50,000, were they the didgeroos? Yeah, did yeah. you lose, but kind of what Pappy was just saying. My yeah. favorite montage is when he goes through Guilty as Charged, kind of the, uh, I guess you could say, um, Marty Robbins phase, where he's going out on stage every night and feigning, then getting back up and trying to fight his bandmates. That was probably my favorite. Yeah, Steve tried to bring uh, Marty Robbins, I guess, up. Does anyone else know who the hell that is? Or is that just a Stevie thing? He's an old troubadour, man. He sounds just like him. Troubadour. Never mind. Go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> Can you tweet us some info on Marty Robbins? What? Marty Robbins. How do you not know this? Marty I just Robbins. googled Marty Robbins. It looks like he's a real estate agent in Pasadena. No Marty Robbins or like Ernest Tubb or. Okay, never mind. Go ahead. I like the original. the The country that he does is like enough like hip hop country, not hip hop, but like pop country that it's. It's catchy. It's been in my song or in my head all day. Like the Walk Hard song has been in my head all day. I've been humming Walk Hard literally all day because I watched it this morning. Is what I'm trying to say. Where'd Mikey go? <laughs> <laughs> Mikey had enough of the podcast. Taking a piss. Listen to this Probably. Marty Robbins song. As spoilers takes a quick break. <laughs> Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. I fell in love with a Mexican girl. That was El Paso by Marty Robbins. We're back into spoilers now. <laughs> uh, Mikey was at a number one or a two. Can you fill us in on your frame of mind? Uh, one and a half. Uh, <laughs> something came out the back. <laughs> All liquid out the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about phases of Dewey Cox. I think everyone's gone jordan said like his whole life was his favorite phase i said i liked walk hard walk hard. the original country kind of pop walk hard walk hard <laughs> uh so at the end of the movie he there's this really mini era where he gets put in a hip-hop song it's basically just like a super dirty hip-hop song about like grinding and getting a dude hard but every time they say getting a dude hard it just goes to a clip of dewey cox from his Walk Hard song going hard. <laughs> it's like the worst clip sample song ever. So I don't know, his hip hop phase is pretty entertaining to me, I guess. Let's get into Act 3 a little bit. He gets famous, he has complications in his life and his relationships, but they all start to get kind of wound down. Um, there's several aspects to the winding down, but um, I thought the funniest was when, you know, in retribution for never spending time with any of his kids, he plays a quick game of catch with all of them <laughs> to, re to redeem himself, and it kind of works. 
And then he moves out to a ranch with all tw 21 kids? They're all named Dewey. It's it's some version of Dewey. 37. Dewey yeah. or Dewinda <laughs> or Dewey 1 through 5. The 37 kids cuz uh the one kid had like 14 full siblings and like 13 half siblings or something. I wrote that down. So, why did you write that down? Why did you find that significant? I don't know. I thought it would be important. You thought it was trivia. Okay, well maybe <laughs> maybe it is important cuz does Dewey Cox have more or less kids than Sean Kemp. Ooh. It's gotta be more. It's gotta, gotta be. be. That's close. Just joking. Sean Kemp, he's a friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. <laughs> Former friend of the I can't pod. Can't wait to have him back. <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about the Rain Man, the movie, he'll be here. Oh, it's a man. movie. It's a movie. That would be quite the pull if we could get him on Rain Man. Wait, Tom Cruise and uh... no. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's what I thought you meant too. We talking about no. There's an R E I G H N or how are you spelled the other rain? Like you're raining something in. Like what rain? is that about? It's about Sean. That's the one with Adam Sandler. Oh, it's like a crap. Or is it Crazy Dennis? It. I've seen the doc. It's not great. It's not gonna be on Rotten Tomatoes or anything. It's not like Welcome to Spoilers, the Sean Kemp podcast. We break down the latest <laughs> Sean Kemp news. <laughs> I think our dad has some VHS. Of Sean Kemp down here probably. Now, we're where sticking are they in now, and live, live stream watch. Now. Where are they now, Files? With Sean Kemp. For a millennial listener, Sean Kemp was a basketball player in the '90s for the Seattle SuperSonics, which were a team in the '90s. <laughs> <laughs> was a team. Past tense. In the old time days, yeah. the Seattle SuperSonics were a team. Back anyway, in Pappy's youth. At the end of Dewey Cox's life, um, oh, let's go all the way back to the beginning. One thing that happened when he cut his brother with the machete is that he mysteriously loses his sense of smell. And this becomes like a running theme throughout the movie. And it's kind of a big moment when June Carter slash Pam from The Office comes up to him and she's like, you made good with all your kids now and then... He can smell again. Because he smells her fresh shampoo and his... Pappy's shaking his head. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. Oh, that was so stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't find that as... It's funny when they're coming back to it throughout the movie, but I don't understand why he initially loses his sense of smell or why he gets it back <laughs> at all. Well, Pappy has been known to discredit other people's, uh, shall I say, disabilities. Uh, wow. Uh. We're going to get into this now? He's, he's been an anti-colorblindist for years. <laughs> <laughs> and so who would expect him to be sympathetic towards this part of the movie? I just not don't me, think Jordan me, should be able to get a sure. handicap license plate. A handicap license plate just because he pretends to have colorblindness. It's bullshit. Jordan never feels green. It's always brown. Wait, Jordan has a handicap license? Plate? It's true. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Today the corn whistle means we really need to move on So feel free to keep using that um, So yeah, I, I agree with Pappy I thought uh, of all the things that they kind of weaved in and out of this movie That maybe the, uh, what do they call it? Smell blindness? <laughs> I thought that was maybe the weakest thread Dewey, you're smell blind I read afterwards that that was loosely based on Stevie Wonder's loss of smell after a car crash But a car crash where there's maybe some head trauma makes a little bit more sense as far as losing sense of smell rather than like 
Just like you're really sad. <laughs> Stevie Wonder was in a car crash. Was he driving? <laughs> like I just kind of caught that. Like was it Stevie born blind? Think about how tragic this is. He lost one of his four senses left. He went from four to three senses. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move. <laughs> thrown there. You're like Stevie Wonder's in a car crash. It's like, he was driving? Did they mean to say sight and not smell in this article? I don't know. Whatever. So anyway, Poor Steve. June Carter, Cash, break. slash Pan from the office. They get back together and he's all happy, but he gets one last chance at performing the song. And because he's, he's um, getting awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award, and he gets really excited because he gets one last chance to play a song and it's what he loves doing. What do you guys think about the ending of that song where he inserted like really quickly like six or seven pieces, hard pieces of advice for how to live life like in one repeating stanza. You guys know what I'm talking about? Please do tell. What are the lyrics? It sounded a little bit like this. Accepting your mortality This is finally what I've learned And then in the end We're going to try to kind of wrap up Walk Hard with Dewey Cox. Do you guys have any last thoughts? And just before we get into yes or no's, just kind of reflections on the life and story and times of Dewey Cox. I had a question for you guys. So this movie was a giant flopperooski. It only pulled in about $20 million total, and its budget was $35 million. It opened in uh, ninth place the same weekend as Sweeney Todd, so I don't know if that was a factor. But, like, you guys said you remembered the marketing campaign, and I do too, kind of, like, from when this first came out. Why do you think this was such a flop? I kind of touched on this with Josh during the week. I think, I think people took this as, like, a straight Johnny Cash parody, like, fresh off Walk the Line more than... It touches on many different musical references and musical genres and ages. And they didn't really market that in the campaign at all about how he jumped from like Bob Dylan to Brian Wilson to a bunch. And no respect to Johnny Cash, but he was really hot in 2005 yeah. because he had just died. And Rest in peace. I mean, the funniest parts of the movie really weren't in the marketing campaign. So I think people kind of took it as cheap and it's a quick way to make a buck. So I think that has something to do with it. Do you guys think that he pulls this off without another co-star like Will Ferrell? that he typically has in these comedies D pulls it off like does a good job or what do you mean well do you think that's maybe part partially why maybe john c Riley by himself just can't pull a hollywood blockbuster audience i mean that could be how many times has he been a leading man before not too often right yeah. i remember seeing the like the commercials for this show i mean it was when we were in high school mm -hmm. and it would it just looked really dumb at the time but going back, like I'll probably remember this performance as a defining, like John C. Riley performance more than even during his lifetime achievement award. Dur more than more than Step Brothers, like I think he was funnier than this, and then he wasn't Step Brothers. For I think the name Walk Hard is terrible. I think it, people thought it was just going to be like a shot for shot like parody of Walk the Line in the same way that like yeah. Scary Movie is like a riff on Scream, where they're just going to like hit all the same beats, but like in a complete farce, like. I think this movie is a lot smarter than the marketing campaign made it out to be, from what I remember. 
What are some of those examples of why you think it's smart? I think you brought up a couple of them earlier, but... Well, yeah, just the, the fact that they set out to represent each of the different time periods, and they do it with the way that the movie is shot, too. So, like, a lot of the colors will be symbolic of, like, the time, or, like, the scenes in the hippie den are, like, really fantastic and colorful. And like we said, going to the uh, Yellow Submarine cartoon, like, I think it was really cool that there's a little music history lesson buried in here, even if it is surrounded by, like, a completely fictional, silly character. Yeah, Mikey, why didn't you go see this in theaters in 2007? I don't remember seeing any marketing or anything like that uh, at the time. What year was this? 2007. Yeah, I don't remember anything about it. I don't think I saw it until years after it was already out and just saw it on, uh, I don't know, whatever... It was available DVD or something like that. I, I yeah. never saw it in theaters. Here's what was was in uh, theaters when it opened up. National Treasure, Book of Secrets, won the weekend. Great film. I Am Legend. I think Jordan and I saw that together, didn't we? Terrible movie. Might have, yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. Alvin and the Chipmunks, Charlie Wilson's War, Sweeney Todd, Alien vs. Predator, P.S. I Love You, Juno, Enchanted, The Golden Compass, and then Walk Hard. So it was actually a Jeez. Well, I think bad. that kind of hits on... What's happening in Hollywood right now, too, right? Because, like, National Treasure... Is that number two, National Treasure? I think so, yeah. Book of Secrets, yeah. So, yeah, there's, like, a sequel come out, and then there's this gem that just kind of gets buried under everything. And I think that's kind of a shame. And, I don't know, people just don't go see... Steve... Steve the intern is laughing at me for calling this movie a gem, but I really think it is a gem. Do you guys think this has the opportunity to be, like, our generation Spinal Tap? Because Spinal Tap was 1984, and that did not get, honestly, big. I mean... Yeah, Jordan was saying a little bit, like... Me and Jordan came across Spinal Tap, probably, what, when we were in high school? Yeah, I mean, you you had shown it to me. I just watched it by chance and thought it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen, especially because it was a mockumentary, but that's obviously probably, I'd say, the biggest cult classic of all time. Do you guys think this has the opportunity to become a cult classic? I feel like there were a lot of, uh, like, it, it felt like a similar movie, like it kind of had a lot of the same the same themes to it where it's hitting on a lot of different it's not just one band that it's kind of riffing on it's mm-hmm. a, it's different eras and stuff i think maybe one part that makes it difficult to make a movie like this and to market it might be that like if you're calling back to like four and five decades back what do you market to because like there's going to be people in in each decade that are that recognize like a, a bit and a piece but like to market all that to to one segment i guess is tough like me in high school, I'm not going to know, you know, Smile from the Beach Boys, and I'm not going to know this and that, but it's tough to... Are you going to know Marty Robbins? I'm not. I'm, Marty alone. I, I, I'm, I'll I'm never forget not, Marty Robbins I still now. don't know Marty Robbins. <laughs> no, we just heard... Oh, yeah, friend of the show. Shit was tight, Jay. Shit was tight. <laughs> this, this episode's all about Marty Robbins and Sean Kemp. But I mean, with, but, but <laughs> Friends when, of the pod. When you're, when you're riffing off, like, three decades at a time, it's tough to, like, target your audience and get, get a good, like theater turnout i i think uh maybe they could have marketed more as a smart movie it like pappy saying that'll appeal to general music lovers instead of like a goofy parody mm-hmm. of one person I, I don't know pappy you were you were shaking your head pretty furious when someone mentioned a spinal tap oh uh, i just think not that this is i think that there's similar quality i think spinal tap's a little funnier for my money but the reason i don't think this will become a cult classic is sort of like you just touched on jordan like these references aren't getting any newer for people 
And I think a lot of like the subtleties of the jokes are going to be like, cause I probably wouldn't gotten a lot of the jokes. If I wouldn't have taken like two uh, music history classes at IU where a lot of us went to school. So like, I think that as time goes on, it's not going to help a lot of the humor in this movie. I would, I would say that's fair. I mean, I didn't take those music history classes and I know that there are a lot of the references that like kind of fly over my head, but I still thought it was a very funny movie. I don't think you need to take a fancy music class to understand. I just did some book learning on some pop music, and now I get the film. Pappy's all educated. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, before we move on to yes or no's, one more topic, and this is one of my favorite, and well, the drug scenes that are sparse out throughout the movie (laughs) had to be one of the things I remembered the most. And it starts with um, Dewey Cox catches some people smoking in the bathroom, and he can't smell it but he sees because he can't smell but he sees the smoke and he smell goes hey bad. what's going on here tim meadows just goes you don't want no part of this Rick- i almost said ricky bobby you don't want no part of this dewey cox and, and he goes to this whole thing where he's like oh man like i i don't want to get addicted it's not habit for me well that's probably pretty expensive it's the cheapest drug there is you don't want no part of this dewey cox i don't want no hangover it doesn't give you hangovers <laughs> sounds like i do want a part of this <laughs> so it goes from that and um it gets kind of hard i think the next one is cocaine cocaine i think the last one was uppers and downers so they only do yeah. three mm-hmm doesn't he do like PCP or something? PCP or at one point. Angel adult, Angel death. And as Steve the intern's pointing out, they also did Viagra at the very end. So that would, <laughs> Viagra would have been the last one. Mm-hmm. He pointed to his penis and whispered Viagra. So <laughs> he goes, Viagra! <laughs> <laughs> if it lasts for more than four hours, you just need more ladies. You just need more, which I think is a reference to Tim Meadows' poor movie Ladies Man from the 90s. <laughs> And that's all kind of wrapped up when Dewey Cox makes good with his band members at the end because Tim Meadows had been complaining that he had never paid for any of the drugs. (laughs) (laughs) And so he brings them a huge bag of green leaves and it looks like they're happy again. And uh, we didn't even mention, but Chris Parnell plays like kind of the band member that's like always got his back no matter what. And then who's the actor who plays the fourth? He's in a lot of stuff, man. That's Mitch Hurwitz. He's uh, the guy that made uh, Arrested, Arrested Development. Development. That's yeah. him? Yeah. Genius. <laughs> I had no idea that was him. I just thought he was always kind of like a sideline actor. Good for him. Take it easy, man. Oh, I just never knew that was him. That's awesome. He's not suck his dick too hard. He's not a friend of the show or anything. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> not, not a friend, friend of the show. show. Saying a lot of people that listen to our pod probably watch Arrested Development. We can move on to yes or no. <laughs> friend of the show, though. Uh, Mikey, you want to start us off and go, we'll go around with Pappy being last. Uh, yeah, I think this movie is, uh, pretty cool in the fact that it covers, I mean, it parodies a lot of different, uh, musicians. I think, uh, that's pretty cool to see throughout the different decades that Dewey Cox is, like, kind of parodying, uh, parodying, uh, all these different musical, famous musical artists. So I think it's pretty funny. Uh, I would say, yeah. I don't think it's John C. Riley's best performance. I think he's better in Step Brothers, honestly. I, you guys said he wasn't as good in Step Brothers, but I think that's his better movie. But also, I don't know too many movies that John C. Riley is the leading man of, so. But I say yes. Um, I give this movie a definite yes. Uh, I think it's a very self aware movie. I think it's a great parody movie. And I also think the music in this movie is fantastic. 
They actually took some time and put some energy into it, as Josh said. I think this is probably John C. Reilly's best movie by far. I mean, especially because he's a leading man and he actually carries the movie pretty well. Yeah, definitely yes for me. Uh, and I think this will be a cult classic in about 20 to 30 years, just below Spinal Tap. Uh, yeah, so I remember seeing the like previews and the trailers for this uh, in 2006, 2007, and thinking it looked really stupid, and I haven't watched it till literally this morning. It's, it's clever, and then it has it has a lot of callbacks, and a lot of callbacks that I, I know I don't understand. So it's a smart movie, but it's also not too smart to where... Like, a lot of the lyrics are very on the nose, and so, like, if you're just listening to it, like, I was just laughing at the lyrics of the songs for a lot of the, a lot of the movie. Um, so it's a yes for me. I, I was entertained throughout, and I would also agree with Stevie. I think this is John C. Riley's best performance. I'd, you don't see him a lot as a leading man, no. but this is really, really good. Uh, I, I think this movie has, like, it can go down. It, it can be just plain stupid. It can be, like, toilet humor, almost like a South Park. It can just get really shitty humor stupid but then it also kind of has a smarter side to it and i like mo i like movies and shows that can kind of like show that whole spectrum and do it well and maybe besides for the can't smell bit i think it's pretty strong all the way through i think this movie could have used a little bit more full frontal but uh overall still give this movie a yes and if i were to cast someone for that i'd probably cast vigo mortensen to be in this movie for the full Hang more dong. Hang way more dong. He's <laughs> really good at it, okay? <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be a, a yes for me too. It's a preserved movie. Uh, I was really sad that I didn't see this when it first came out. It's one of my favorite comedies. Hard yes, good choice, Josh. How hard is the yes? Mm, yes, puppy? Flash like, yes. like I just woke up, <laughs> but I had been drinking a lot the night before. <laughs> Yeah, we get it, man. We, we get, get it, it Pap. That, that was good. Like morning wood is the joke. Like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Put it on the record, Josh. I give this a yeah, dog. A yeah, dog. I give it a yeah, dog. I give it a yeah, dog, too. And that's the part of the show where we go back around and see if it's a yes, dog, or no <laughs> dog. Still just a yes. The reason I was even host today is because I won Jordan's trivia. His single question, Zebra... Much ridiculed in the thread. The trivia. worst <laughs> trivia question in the history of spoilers. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I won Jordan's arguably shitty trivia, so I get to make the trivia it's this not week. not arguably shitty. It was just shitty. No, it was pretty good. I liked it. Ooh. I won. I won. Dude, it was a no-dog trivia. <laughs> if that trivia was a movie, it was a hell no-dog. Anyway, <laughs> the name of the trivia today is called Wrong Kid Died. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. I want this to sounds cheerful. <laughs> this okay, sounds like so celebrities who die too young. I'm gonna name. I'm gonna name a a pair of. I think they're mostly brothers, but there's a pair of siblings. We'll go around, and you all have to choose. We'll we'll change up what order we go in, but everyone chooses basically a team. So I'll give you the first one. This one's really easy. It's from the movie Dewey or Nick Cox. So Pappy, you go first. Who? Name was Nate. Nate. Who is dead or who died first? So that's I'll say I'll say Nick Cox, like you said, Nick Nate Cox. Okay, so Mikey, then you choose. Uh, what? Oh, Dewey. Or oh, who's dead you're or who on, died first? You're on Team Dewey or Team Nate? No, it's Nate. It's Nate. I see. All you have to do is say the name. Don't say your reasons because you could give it away to the next people. So you just want to be. So that's the person that died first. Strategic. Yes. All right, you guys are all in, but. You have to say it, even if it's I'm obvious. I'm just making sure. Okay. So Mikey's up first on this one. 
We have River and Joaquin Phoenix. River. This is getting heavy. It's River, man. That was like th 25 years ago. Riv, Riv. Pappy. A, a river runs through it. Keanu Reeves was there. Tell us more, man. Dark, dark <laughs> what, stuff, amigo. What's there? <laughs> this is the first joke that uh, producer Stevie has laughed at on the side of the set all day. It's about death. <laughs> anyway. Don't uh, say producer Stevie. It's producer Steve. Producer Steve. Okay, so the next one. Stevie, we'll start with you. Sad now. What is it? John or Robert Kennedy? These get progressively harder. They're, we're a little bit in the easy stage. Who died first? We have to say who died first. Who died first? Go with my favorite Catholic JFK. Johnny. What did Jordan say? Johnny. I'll say Dan. John. <laughs> what did you say, Pat? John. All right, next. Juan F.F. Kennedy. This would be Jesse and Frank James. Frank? You're saying who died first? Pappy? I mean, they're just both such icons. Frank James, uh, Jesse James. I'm Frank James, bitch. That's n what? <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say Jesse. I'll say Jesse. I'll say Frankito. Guys, James was, Jesse James was famously assassinated when he was a young man. Jesse died first. Cool. Which leaves just Pappy and Mikey. I want more 80s in this podcast anyway. Dun, dun, dun. This one is Pappy first. Edwin or John Wilkes Booth. Famous actors from the 19th century. That's all they're known famous, for. Famous thespians. Uh, <laughs> I'll say John Wilkes. Mm, I'll say the same. I know John Wilkes had a tough time right after his, uh, <laughs> right after his, uh, after the closing curtain on. He went out with life. a bang though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Broken ankle immediately yeah, after jumping just, down. Is it still too soon for you, Stevie? <laughs> no, but there's a hilarious story behind that whole night. I'll get into it after the pod. You guys are correct. John Wilkes Booth. They're going to get a little bit harder now. Just a little bit harder. This one is from, these are fictional brothers from the show OC, Ryan and Trey Atwood. Bo both friends this? of the show. Both friends of the friends show. Friends of the pod. Uh, this is Mikey first. This, this, oh. uh, I know nothing about this. I'll say Ryan. I'll say the other guy. Who's the other guy? You tell me, Trey. <laughs> Ryan or Trey? Trey? Can I? And Steve wants to go on a rant before I announce that Pappy wins. I, I, I was like, I watched the OC from like start to finish. The episode where Trey died made a mojin heap. Very famous for that Um What You Say song. Um What You Say. Yeah, and then they did I was it. there for that. Open, yeah. Premiere episode. The SNL skit about it. That's where famous. it came from. Yeah, AOC. Pappy, you win. Stevie, do you want to read us? Since you lost in the most excruciating fashion, would you mind reading us out? I know, I really wish I could have the OC on my side. The first thing oh, is, is people should uh, look us up on um, iTunes and rate us. Give us some stars, one or two or three or four or five stars. It's out of five, right? They should definitely give us five stars. That'd be best. We have an email you can email us at. It's uh, podcastspoilers at gmail.com. We're also on the Twitter machine, spoilers underscore pod. I believe our Instagram is of the same name. Is that correct? You see what happens when the monkeys run the circus? <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> Easy. Jordan, let's go. You have them lined up. Instagram at podcast spoilers. There we go. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our also, website. the person who's playing our intro, our beautiful intro, and now the outro is Josh Hensley of the Rutabaga. Check them out. 
I, I thought we, Jesse we, James was a trick what question. What was Young Guns on that list? Yeah. I knew we had to get Young Guns. <laughs> I was. I had this whole whole side thing. We, we didn't even talk again. about bags, really. Yeah, uh, we didn't get to. We didn't talk about bags. Or no. hanging dong. Ah, uh, no, we did talk plenty about hanging yeah, dong. Enough. I think yeah. Bert hung dong. Not enough. You never talk enough about hanging dong. People are getting up to go pee. Pappy, what movie are you choosing? <laughs> uh, RoboCop. Yeah. All right, all right, okay. Can't wait. This is spoiler. Isn't that a pretty long runtime? I chose Walk Hard. It's one thirty-six runtime. Ooh, you should have liked that. Pappy. Walk Hard was like two hours long. No, one thirty. Yeah, it was pretty short. I don't know. Are we still recording? That was spoilers. Folks used to say to me, "Slow down, Dewey. Don't walk so hard." And I used to tell them. Life's a race, and I'm in it to win it. And I walk as damn hard as I please. How do I walk, boys? Well, you did choose Time Bandits. That was Pap. I know who it was. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren tried to get through Time Bandits, and she goes, I'm going to bed. This is awful. First movie I've ever seen.